we have been changed by God, and we know we've been changed. We know we're very different from the person we were before. When we have that experience where we know God has changed us, I think we can go forward with assurance of salvation. But we also go forward knowing that we have to stay alert. We can't fall asleep. We can't go among unbelievers without prayer, without hearing from God to do it. We could bring great damage to ourselves. I don't do that. I know that I had to stay away from my cousin who was trying to turn me away from the work of God. She didn't know any better. She was raised Church of Christ. She believes all of their doctrine, which is totally contrary to any woman being a minister, to anything that I do. I told God when when he showed me I was called to be a minister, I said, how can this be? How can this be? Paul said, let your women keep silent in the churches. And what God said to me in response to that is, look and see what those women were doing. Well, when I looked at 1 Corinthians 14, I could see Paul saying, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. I think they were interrupting the gathering of the church by asking questions. It was home church, They didn't have uh, buildings and all these things that we see today. It was a home church. They would have been much less disciplined, I think, although I like home churches. I think it's very good, but I also know there's more freedom to speak by the Holy Spirit, and some people are not disciplined, especially women. They're not disciplined enough. But that doesn't mean we change the gathering of the church. I know I seem to be going in circles, but there are many facets to this which I have to explore with you. But I do want to profess assurance of salvation. For why should I sit around and fear that I will miss something? If God needs me to know something one way or another, that message will get through to me to give me an opportunity to make some changes as needed. But the devil will also try to torment us with thoughts. And we can't be unaware of that. We have to understand the devil will try to make us fearful and torment us. We cannot go that way either. Recently, I had just a bombardment of negative thoughts come to me, fearful thoughts. Now, where are those from? Do you think God is trying to warn me? Or will God lead me? The devil is going to try to attack us and harm us and make us fearful. We cannot operate in things of God being fearful. We have to go forward in peace. The thoughts came to me. At first, I didn't know they were the devil. The thoughts came to me, what if this happens to you? You're 83. What if that happens to you? And I cried out, oh, God, help me. And I heard, God will supply all your need. And I said, that's right. See, it's like a battle going on here. 
the devil is trying to torment me and cause me to be fearful. God is trying to settle me with the truth. He will provide all my need. So I'm saying, that's right, when the Holy Spirit reminded me of that. That's right. God will provide all my need. So there's not really to be any fear saying, what if this would happen to me? Because it won't make any difference if it happens because God is going to supply all my need anyway. So let's just go forward and deal whatever happens. Deal with whatever happens. Now, a couple of days later after this, or a few days later, Pam came into my room and told me that Gus, she thought Gus, the dog, had broken his leg. And she was very, she was upset. Of course, I was upset too. I cried out to God. What do we do when we're upset? Cry out to God. Don't try to figure it out. Cry out to God. I said to God, Oh, please, don't let this be as bad as it seems. And I said, Please help Pam with the decision. It was 7 o'clock at night. Please help Pam with this decision of what we do about Gus. Do we take him to an emergency animal hospital tonight? I hate for him to be in pain all night. I hate for us to go through the torment of thinking about Gus all night. Please help Pam to see what is best to do in the case of Gus. And I had complete peace. Pam said, I'm going to take him to the animal hospital. Do you want to go? And I said, well, yeah. I do. And I'm glad I did. I think it was good that I was there with her because we were there from in the car. We were sitting in the car between the hours of about 7.15 p.m. and we didn't get home till 10. And it was good, I think, for me to be there. They took Gus in almost immediately to treat him to figure out what was wrong with him and to do what was best for him. He didn't have a broken leg. He had apparently cut his paw, one of the pads. And that takes about three weeks for it to restore itself. So there has to be bandages and treatments and ointments and things like that. Pam is, even as I record this, she has taken Gus in uh, to have his bandage changed. And she's going to go in and watch what they do, so she can take care of his bandage in the future by herself. See, we're t- I feel we're totally, solidly led by God in this situation, as we will be in every situation when we turn to God. Now, what if you are fearful about something? My cat bit me the other day, and it was a very deep bite. It looked terrible. It was on the top of my hand, and I thought it looked awful. And I cried out to God, Oh, please don't let my hand to be have to be amputated over this. I didn't hear any instruction. Now, what does that mean to me if I don't hear anything from God? To me, it means there's no problem. Just go on with your life. Do what you see to do. You go to God in prayer. If he shows you to do something, do it. But if he doesn't show you anything and doesn't say anything, I have to assume that is nothing's wrong. There's no problem. It's a lying vanity that I have taken in. Jonah 
chapter 2, verse 8, I believe, they who observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. So it is. Also, Paul told us in Second Corinthians chapter 10, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war as the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through turning to God, casting down imaginations, taking thoughts captive to bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. I know that Second Corinthians 10. These vanities, these thoughts that come to us can terrify us and lead us the wrong direction and needlessly trouble us. Instead, let's seek the truth. And God is the one who has the truth in the matter. So whatever that concern is, we've got to take it to God instantly. What about this, God? What about this? What do you have to say about this? Should I be concerned about this? For example, we bought a new car in 2020. It's a gasoline car. Today, everything you hear is electric. What should we do? Is there any concern we should have? Well, I have concern because I read the headlines in CNN that the all the cars are going electric. Well, what's going to happen to the gas cars? See, concerns. I took it to God. I don't want to be driven by fear. If at some point we should sell this car and get an electric car, I want you to be the one to show me, God. Please help me to see. I don't want to be driven by headlines in, on CNN, but you can be if you take in the fear without turning to God. We get nip it in the bud by prayer. Even though we have as the elect of God, an assurance of salvation, and we believe in the resurrection, and we believe Jesus is the resurrection, and that he will raise the dead in Christ, and that he will take the living in Christ off the earth before this earth is destroyed. We have every scriptural ground to believe this. And we know what happened with us where God is concerned. We know what he did with us, we know. And no one can really take that away from us because we know. They don't have to believe it. We know. So we focus on that. And yet we still have to deal with these other things through prayer so we don't fall asleep, as some do. Matthew 24, 12, 13, Jesus says, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. We endure especially by prayer, by taking all concerns to God, by living Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, 
shall keep your hearts through Christ Jesus. So whatever the concern is, stop when you realize you have the concern. Turn to God in prayer. Please show me if I need to do anything about this. If you don't hear anything, then you don't need to do anything. God won't be late with getting information to us. We just have to be alert so that if the Holy Spirit speaks something to us, then we can follow him doing what he shows us at that point in time. Timing's important. God won't be late. He will get the information to us. I have sometimes missed the fact that God was speaking to me, and I found that he often repeats that message. Two or three times I heard from the Holy Spirit on something a few years ago. I can't remember what the problem was, but I heard two or three times. I heard once, and then the next day I heard something again. Oh, I do remember what it was now. It was that I would enjoy reading the Old Testament again. And I missed hearing it the first time. Later, I was in the kitchen, and I heard once again, you would enjoy reading the Old Testament again. And then I think I heard a third time, and finally, I opened the Old Testament and started reading it. See, we, we might miss something, but I found that when I do miss something, God frequently repeats it or causes me to remember it. If it's important to me. We can't go forth in fear. Fear that we will miss something. Fear that we won't get it. Fear that we will somehow do wrong. God will help us. The spirit of truth lives in us. You have to remember what the Holy Spirit does. I often quote these two scriptures. John 14, verse 26. John 16, verse 13. What does the Holy Spirit do? Think of the four things. He teaches us all things. I've always thought that was secular and spiritual. He teaches us all things. He reminds us of everything Jesus has said to us. When I had that thought the other night, what if this happens? What if that happens? The Holy Spirit rose up to remind me of a scripture in Philippians chapter 4. God will supply all your need. We don't even have to be afraid we'll forget a scripture. We have to trust in God. We have to trust that he will show us what we need. So the Holy Spirit teaches us all things, reminds us of everything Jesus has said, guides us into all truth, and shows us things to come. I've even had a dream about being in heaven. I went into this auditorium, and my mother and my aunt were sitting in the middle of the auditorium. Someone took me up to the stage. There was a concert band up there. And they said, this is your place. It was first clarinet, first chair, first clarinet. That's the highest position you can have in band. And I said, oh, I haven't played in years. Just put me in the back of the band someplace. And whoever took me up on the stage said, no, this place is reserved for you. I have a very strong reason to believe I will be in heaven. For me to say, if I get to heaven, would be foolish when I have been shown this. I was fearful one day not long ago about my salvation. And God reminded me 
of that passage of scripture on that hundredfold return. Because at the end of that scripture where it says you'll receive a hundredfold now in this lifetime by following God, by giving up what you have to give up in order to do what God wants, it says, and you will receive eternal life in the life to come. And I focused on the end of that scripture in my fear. Fears come to us, but we always have access to God day and night, 24-7. We can take that fear to God, and then we focus on that which he has shown us. In that case, I focused on the last part of that verse. I'll find that for us. We can start at verse 27 of Matthew 19. Then answered Peter and said unto him, to Jesus, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses and brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life? Well, I was reminded of this scripture. And shall inherit everlasting life because I was been being bombarded with fears that I might not be saved, that I might not be in heaven. Well, God reminded me of this. Focus on the last verse part of this scripture. That was what I needed at that time. At a specific point in time. And that's the way you are. Each of us have needs at points in time. And God provides that need, whatever it is we need at that moment. So I focused on that. I have a lot of evidence that I will be in heaven. So for me to go around saying, I hope to be there, I don't think that's right. I have a lot of evidence I'll be there. We base our faith on what God has shown us and make appropriate statements to what God has shown us. That's what we should do. Jesus says, He that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, He that overcomes. It's overcoming through turning to God with the problem, hearing from God when, when God speaks to us, focusing on what God has said in the matter at hand. That's how we overcome. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. He that overcometh. That means turning to God, overcoming by that which you hear from God. Doing that which you hear from God. The same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. 
There may be some who have their name spotted out, but he won't block out the name of the one who overcomes through God. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Assurance of salvation through God. God will not fail us nor forsake us. We are his workmanship. We are the work of his hands. We didn't cause ourselves to be born again. No man can do that. It was God's will. So those who are born again are the elect of God. If God has changed you, you are born again. It's not a matter that we read the Bible and change, although we do that also. But it's that God revealed himself to us. He gave us a word of truth, and we were born again and changed. It was all by the will of God. He will not fail us nor forsake us. Joshua 1.5 and Hebrews 13.5 Jesus says so many things in John 6 about being the resurrection. Start at verse 35. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Before Jesus came to earth as a human, who was he? He was the Word. He was with God at the time. He was with God forever from the beginning. He was the Word. Jesus is saying to them, I am the bread of life. I, the Word, am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus is not some type of vapor out there that you can't see, touch, handle. He's the Word. The Word is real. The Word is living. It changes based upon our need. But it's always there through Jesus, the Spirit of God. It's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Word, and God. God is first. God the Father. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But they're all one also. Verses 39 and 40 of John 6. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all which he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. We have been given to Jesus by God. We, the elect of God, we, the chosen of God, we who are born again by the Spirit of God. We're all given to Jesus. And he won't lose us. And he would raise us up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son, which means the word is revealed to us, and we say, oh, and we are changed. Everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Focus on what Jesus said. I will raise him up at the last day. Do you believe your relatives who are born again and died? Do you believe they will be raised up at the last day? I have no doubt about it. No doubt. My father, my mother, my aunt, my uncle... My cousins, they're going to be raised at the last day because I know they were born again by God. I witnessed it. I know they were. 
Do I believe they will be raised up in the last day? Yes, I do. Do I believe I will be raised up in the last day? Yes, I do, because Jesus promises it. I know I'm born again. I know I'm given to Jesus. I know the Holy Spirit lives in me. God has equipped us with everything we need when we belong to him. Let's go forth in faith. Verse 40, And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. I will do it, says Jesus. Do you believe that? I do. Verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. You see, the word, where does that word come from that comes to our mind? By the Holy Spirit. It comes from God. It comes down from heaven to us directly. That's what we eat. That's what we live by. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. We eat the bread of God by believing the word which is given to us by God. And we do appropriate actions to that word. In 2019, I fell at my house in Texas. As the ambulance drivers rolled me past the front door, I heard, you'll never see this house again. I was not troubled by that word. I didn't care. It didn't matter to me. God had another plan for me, and I knew it. I didn't know what the plan was, but I knew I wouldn't see that house again. So what did I do? I put the house up for sale, even from the hospital. I put the house up for sale. One of our church members, at that time she was with us, she said to me, I don't see how you can do this. I said, well, I've heard from God. I will never see this house again. So I put the house up for sale. And I really never did see the house again. I moved directly from two and a half months in the rehabilitation hospital in Lubbock, Texas. I moved directly to Colorado Springs. I never saw that house again. I didn't go by and look at the house before we flew to Colorado Springs. Pam came down to uh, Lubbock to get me, to take me to live in her home. She came directly to the rehab hospital. She had rented a car. The hospital workers put me in the car. I had different types of medicines they sent with me. One was the nausea medicine. The car was a little rough, and the motion caused me to have a little nausea en route to the airplane. So I took one of the nausea medicine pills. I had what I needed. Hospital to the airport to Denver, and then drove to Colorado Springs. I never saw that house again. The house didn't sell for a year and a half. I wasn't going to go down to Texas and check on it. I had the word of God on the subject. You'll never see this house again. When thoughts came, well, it hasn't sold. 
It will sell because what do I need with a house I will never see again? You see, faith is reasoning. You reason by the word you've heard from God and you hold on to that word. You're not reasoning of your own imagination, which, by the way, we must not do. For example, you might want someone to be saved, and you might like to think that person is all right, that you can be around that person now. That's a delusion. I prayed recently that God not let me be deluded because I know how weak my flesh is. It wants to believe that it's all right and I can be around them. I can't do it. I have to take care of myself and I have to do the assignments I've been given. I can't go among them. When they come to God, then they will come to me. But until then, I just stay away from them. I try to. It's really hard because my flesh wants so badly to visit with them. But I have to use great discipline. Okay, John chapter 6. I am the living bread, says Jesus, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, the word, he shall live forever. John 10. Look at John 10. Jesus says, well, it says at the beginning of John 10, sort of a parable. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. See, the voice of strangers frightens us. What will you do if this happens? What will you do if that happens? That's the voice of a stranger, a devil. Well, I didn't follow him. I turned to God and said, help me. Then I heard, God will supply all your need. Oh, yes, I remember now. You see, we rejoice in God when he shows us the truth. We don't follow strange voices. We are troubled by them, and we know to turn, turn to God. Then Jesus says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice. If you are one of the sheep, if you have been changed by God, and you will know if you have, if Jesus lives in you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. They shall never perish. Neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. Devils try to get us just by bringing thoughts to our mind. But we turn to God, help me. We get the word of God. He helps us. Verse 29, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and none is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. No devil, no person, none. But we stay alert and follow him. Jesus says, I and my Father are one. Then in John 6, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. When you feel drained and you hear something from God, all of a sudden you have blood in you, you have life in you. I've always thought it was like getting a blood transfusion. 
Or when, when you feel drained and read the Bible, all of a sudden you have a blood transfusion. And if you read far enough, eventually you're going to find something that reaches you. They received manna in the wilderness and they ate it and lived. We receive Jesus by that word which comes down to us from God and we eat that word and live by him and life is in us each time we receive his word and do his word and believe his word. It's just like a blood transfusion. All of a sudden we have life. So Jesus says in John chapter 6 verse 54, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, he that eateth me, the word, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. And verse 63, Jesus says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, maketh alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you they are spirit and they are life. We overcome each time we hear what the Spirit of God speaks to us. We believe it, we do it. And let's go through this life depending on God, on Jesus, on the Holy Spirit, rather than trying to depend on ourselves. If we need a word, he'll give us a word. Sometimes it's just lying vanities and we don't hear a word when we pray. That means there is no problem. You've just some kind of lying vanity trying to get you to be disturbed. But if we need something, he'll see that we get it. Thus we depend on him for our salvation rather than ourselves. And we know he will never fail us. We must live in peace. So we don't just fall asleep. If we see someone and we're disturbed by that person, you better take it to God. You might need to avoid that person. Find out what God wants you to do. Don't live by formulas other than turning to God. Training yourself to turn to God in prayer. And we always live in the truth concerning the person and concerning the issue at hand. What has God told me about this? What do I know about this? And you don't have to judge the person or save the person even. You can't. You simply are saving yourself by doing what God shows you to do. So we always focus on what has God told me about this. And if God has told you nothing, then there's nothing for you to think on in this matter. It's a devil trying to make you think on this. Use discipline. 
pray, and if God doesn't tell you anything, there isn't any problem for you. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.